This is Turn the Light On with James the Gravy McCricker and George Brandon Hoyt. Welcome everyone to Turn the Light On, episode number four. How you doing, Hoyt? Good. The light is uh, protecting and the light is providing for me. Yes. Sounds like a, ni a nice name for an episode. Indeed. Happens to be the name of this episode. Kind awesome. of. Kind of. Where yes. today we're going to talk about weddings, wine, and whips. Because it's all found there in John chapter 2. Yes. Hope you read the whole chapter today. We're going to read some key verses. We're also going to go into detail on certain verses. But we're probably maybe actually going to probably wind up reading everything because that's just how we roll. And the Word of God changes people. Catch up, James. What do we got for catch up today? Why don't you go first? I will go first. Church, meeting in the time of COVID. How's your life, church life changed? Thinking about how church life has changed in this time of COVID. Everybody tried to meet online. Is that really working out? Is that, was that, did that work out well for you guys? That didn't work out well for you guys? Church is supposed to be together. Even if we get smaller, I think church is supposed to be together. We definitely, uh, as a family, fortunately, I'm in a family where, you know, I only have one child left who's not made a decision to follow the Lord, and she's five, so I don't expect that for a few more years. But we also have other people that we met with, my in-laws, we met with my in-laws, you know, we kind of met as a church sometimes. But I got to say, church meeting in the time of COVID, the more we can do it together, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen to us? You know, what's the worst that's going to happen to us? If we, if we all catch COVID-19 and die, what's the worst that's going to happen to us if we believe in Jesus? If I believe in the resurrection? That's, that's, that's my catch-up for the week. I mean, novel concept, Ecclesia, the assembly of the called-out ones. Mm, assembly of the called-out ones. Yes, indeed. What's your catch-up, Jim? In light of uh, some personal, I'll tell you what's been on my heart. God blesses us. And I know that when it comes to life, as guys, we've got jobs and life, do these things. Sometimes we chase stuff over here and we chase things over there. I've come to realize that some of the greatest blessings are, are right there before my eyes. They're not always going to be around. I think of that as my son prepares this next year to leave the nest. I think about it as my dad is going downhill. And I think sometimes we, we take for granted the blessings that God we don't take enough granted the blessings that God has given, the, the special treasures he's blessed our lives with. And I think it's important that so often we, we look at things we don't have. Maybe take a step back and be grateful for the many blessings you do have. And when I say blessings, I'm talking about people. To your point, I was really bummed a good part of this year, Brandon, because we weren't meeting together as a church. I love church people. I love my church people. I love being around people. What's one of the biggest reasons we, we did this podcast is because so we can do something like this together. You know, we're not in the same physical presence, but we get to see each other. And we've always enjoyed each other's presence because we've always built each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes in life, when we're looking at things we don't have, what we really need to look at is what we do, the people that God has put in our lives. Uh, I also think of, you know, if, there, if you have relationships out there, that needs some reconciliation, needs some healing. Don't wait till it's too late. Mm -hmm. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tonight. Yeah. There's nothing more important than reconciliation and, and those relationships getting on the right track. Creation matters. In Lucent Okay, let's begin at the end. 
All right. Do you want me to read some scripture, Hoyt? Yeah, sure. Why don't you, uh, why don't you get us uh, started here? Get out a Bible actual there and let's uh, look at John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Let's begin at the end of this passage because it's where all the, the things that kind of come together. I like spoiling endings and this is one that I think would be good for us to spoil. And I am reading from Bible actual. Bible actual. Bible yeah. virtual standing by. Yes. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name, beholding his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need any to bear witness concerning man himself, knew what was in Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So what was the purpose, Brandon, of us starting at the end? What was it about that text hit you? You know, well, let me hang on that question there. The thing that really kind of hit me about that is that when we read the whole text, when we read John chapter 2, verses 1 through 22, we see two events. And in these two events, we see people believing in him and what he's doing. We see Jesus providing, in other words, for his followers and people who are new to him. People come to believe in Jesus because of what Jesus does. But we also see the nature of man on display in the second half. And Jesus is called upon through prophecy in some ways because the disciples remember in another instance that zeal for his house will consume him but he did not he does not trust the people he does not himself trust these people because he knows the people he knows how they are and so jesus has to protect his house his followers from people who want to distort the truth and things that are good something even as holy as the passover from human frailty and human foibles and human just sin and naughtiness. Props on that word. So uh, you want me to read uh, the first 11 verses of John chapter 2 here? Yeah. Okay. So on that note, Jesus, the provider, and let me grasp. So it says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then that which is poor, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana and Galilee, and manifested in his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Jesus is at a wedding, and he demonstrates his power as a son of God by creating something new from something they had every day. Yes. At, a, at an event that was common. Weddings are fun. I've done quite a bit of them. I've attended one myself. I have been a groom myself at a wedding and, and been a best man at a wedding. <laughs> Our weddings were fun, weren't they? Yeah, they were pretty good. I liked my wedding. I liked your wedding. Yeah, you actually, your wedding served as a uh, something that I learned uh, greatly. I learned at your wedding, outdoor wedding in May, 
on the Gulf of Mexico in a tuxedo is really hot. Yeah, that was me, dude. I was hot. Yeah, well, yeah, Kelly thinks you're always hot. Now, we don't know, we don't know the couple getting married, but it is possible it's a close kinsman to Jesus since his mother, Mary, is involved in the festivities. But we know that Jesus is there by invitation. Kind of a cool note here. Never exclude Jesus from any areas of your life. I love the word invitation. You know, he's there. He's there the way. Jesus should be at wedding. He should be at the forefront of any relationship. He should be at the forefront of everything and anything you do. Just kind of a nice little side note there. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, they're running out of wine, okay? And that's a big deal for their culture, right? Because the bridegroom was responsible for providing and making sure that they had plenty of wine, plenty of, of food for the celebration. And celebration, <laughs> celebrating wines in their culture was not a one day and we're done proposition. It was a week-long affair that culminated a reception for the bride, bridegroom and the bride and their uh, celebration of their newly embarked. Uh, so over this course of the celebration, wine begins to run low and to run out of wine was very embarrassing for them. We don't know why exactly they were running out of wine. Maybe it was running out of wine would have been embarrassing for them. Don't know if it was because Jesus was at Cana there with the with his brand new disciples, because this is the same place where Jesus calls his first disciples. He's calling his disciples, and in the process of calling his disciples, apparently he has this issue come up where he needs to handle some business. Mary demonstrates what to do though whenever troubles arise. We got to take things to Jesus. And in Philippians four six through seven, we can kind of see that. I'll get out Bible virtual Philippians four. Allah. Allah Esword, the sword of the Lord with an electronic edge. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and, pu- and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made up to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, as a family, we actually have this verse printed out and laminated because we have so many things that we worry about in the course of the week. We've got school to worry about. We've got trips to the doctor. We've got grades. A lot of my kids worry about grades, injuries. We deal with all the things that everybody else deals with, but we always must remember to bring them to the Lord in prayer. Oh yeah. And I think that almost wants me to break out in song there, James. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Remember that one, that old hymn, all these old all right, hymns. On that note, so Jesus's response <laughs> to, to his mom Probably why don't you? It's a bit harsh. You know, however, the term woman was a, was a polite, it was a common form of address in that day. Although I, I kind of laugh. Dude, what would have happened if you or I referred to our moms as woman? Um, uh, I'm sorry. I don't divide by zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, going back to your wedding, if you look at your, your wedding video, you will clearly see your mother two seconds away from killing me. I probably deserved it. <laughs> you can see her grinning through her teeth that she's, she actually mouths the words, James, I'm about to kill you. I don't even remember what I did, but I probably deserved it. Knowing me, you know me, you know, <laughs> be, being the ever practical jokester. <sighs> um, the fear of Rosemary Hoyt, it lives. It lives. Um, it is Indeed. a real thing. Um, so Jesus is simply reminding his mom that he has a greater agenda to fulfill. It's greater than hers. And the rest of the wedding party. 
Uh, in Luke 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 51, um, you read that verse, it'll teach you that Jesus was in subjection to his earthly, to, his, to Joseph and Mary. So in this text, Jesus's response is not a rejection. And Mary's response showed her faith. Yeah, because everything happens. Specifically in this case, Jesus takes care of a wine shortage. He turns the water into wine. Jesus dun, took dun, dun. The, this thing that is commonplace. Uh, that these, these jars would have been in every Jewish household. They would have had several on hand. Maybe he had brought in a couple of extra jars to make sure that everybody could be ceremonially cleansed because they were required by the law and by tradition uh, like to wash their hands. He turns this uh, water that everybody has into something extraordinary. I read a couple of commentaries on this. And one of the things that they kind of like got wrapped up in is did the wine change whenever the people drew it out of the stone jar and in order to go present it to the master of the feast or did it change on the way to it like okay we're gonna take this water here and we're gonna bring it all the way there and uh, wow there's there's wine in here when, when did the miracle take place i don't think it really matters i just think that it matters that jesus took care of the problem that was at hand yep. and by taking care of that problem he inspires a la verse uh, 23 especially people to believe in him right if i can turn water into wine Maybe you'll believe me when I say I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or maybe you'll believe me when you say that my flesh is real meat and my blood is real drink. And we're going to see that later on in this book. We yes. can't talk about that, can we? Well, I mean, we're going to get there. I mean, Jesus he gives them what they needed in their immediate circumstance. Mm -hmm. And like you said, this miracle <clears throat> makes an absolute strong impression upon his new, his new disciples. Guys that we see the very beginning of, of John chapter one, that he says, come follow me. And they, they see from the very start that he, he will take care of them. As the text says, you know, he thus revealed his glory and his, his disciples put their faith in it. Here's the great thing about, about Jesus, the provider. He's, he is still the provider. He still provides. Your faith in Jesus Christ is never misplaced because he never fails. And we're going to see Jesus, the provider throughout this book of John, this letter that John writes, this gospel, the light constantly provides. It may not be what you think you need, but the light always provides exactly what you need when you need it. Well said. And that need will be different. Well said. That is, that is, that is an awesome point, James. But Jesus turns from being the provider to being a protector. And in John 2, 13 through 22, Jesus goes to the temple as part of the Passover. It says uh, in John 13, uh, John 2, 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now we're going to switch to Jesus the protector. John 2, 13 starts off with the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now the Passover is an important event. It's an important holiday in Jewish history because it celebrates God's delivering of the children of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, from the hand of the oppressor to the hand of the Lord, to, the, to their eventual journey to the promised land. And this is a journey that we all partake in, in a spiritual sense. We're all in bondage and sin, and we're all being delivered by God through, to eventually. And so you have the Passover. Now, whenever you go back and you study the Passover, uh, some things there that kind of set what is getting, what he's doing right here. He's shown at the temple. He doesn't approve of what is taking place in his father's house. And Jesus is going to exert his authority as the son of God to cleanse the filth from his father's house. So we have Jesus performing his very first miracle. And then he goes and he cleans house, his dad's house. The gospel of John 
is the only gospel that notes all three Passovers during Jesus's ministry. Now, during this time, uh, Jerusalem's population would be just around 50,000. However, Passover was the thing, man. This was like the big deal. This, like you, you said before, this was sacred to the Jews. Their God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, and they celebrated this. This goes back to the angel of death and the angel of death passing over their house because of the blood of the lamb. And now the lamb has come to dad's house. And, and during this time, the number w- would grow to over 250,000 to over a million. This was a big deal, this Passover. Any Jewish people that lived within 15 miles were there and offered sacrifices, observed the Passover, including people who weren't even required to be there. They would be there because this was a sight to see, man. This, this and- would be Oh, I would have loved to have been there in the day. How cool mm-hmm. is that? Right, right. It would have been awesome. It would have been awesome to see. the. It, it would have been exciting. It would have been awesome to share in the, the meal and the cedar meal. Whenever you study the Passover in the Old Testament, there was the initial Passover, as it was presented, was to be only celebrated by the Hebrews. And God then later in the, in the law actually says, wait a second, guys. The Passover is so important that there's people that I want to celebrate this no matter what. If you're ritually unclean, you still celebrate the Passover. If you touch a dead body, you, un- you celebrate the Passover. If you are a foreigner and, and you want to celebrate the Passover, you celebrate it. The, 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 the thing, though, is, is that if you're clean, if you're Jewish, and you don't celebrate the Passover, you're to be cut off from the people. That's how important it was for them. When Jesus, when Jesus arrives at the temple, he's angered by what he sees. I'm not surprised at all by what he does. Some people, however, have this idea of Jesus that is that he's some sort of like goofy hippie who goes around healing people and doing good things. It's the Jesus Christ superstar, yeah, version of Jesus. And yes. I don't, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that that's that's entirely the best picture of Jesus to paint because dude gets righteous. What does he do? Well, first of all, first of all, he gets angry because he sees the people selling animals, which now, technically, it wasn't wrong for them to sell animals for sacrifice. However, the problem that existed was they were selling them uh, inside the temple courtyard, and they were, they were selling animals out, out at outrageous prices. Now, those that had their own sacrifices would have to pay a priest to inspect their sacrifice. So what was happening is they had to, they wound up having to purchase animals uh, that were deemed pure by a priest. So and, basically, these sacrifices, they had to pay money for. Mm-hmm. And it would get to the point where the priest would say, oh, your sacrifice isn't good enough. Uh, why don't you give me a shekel and I'll give you this lamb. And they'll right. go wash the lamb you know, that they just got. And they'll wash it and sell that to the next guy. Oh, your sacrifice isn't good enough. You know, there's a lot of corruption and graft. And there was also, uh, he saw people exchanging money. Okay. And the, the deal with the money is that there was a picture of Caesar on the money. And the religious leaders deemed that because the Roman money had a picture of Rome's leader on it, that to bring that into the temple of God was blasphemed. It was idolatry. And the solution was that you had to exchange for special money, temple money. And the problem with that is that the exchange process is corrupt. Instead of allowing for an equal exchange, half the money of the worshipers was sh- that showed up was being taken by the money exchange. And, and that's, a, that's a big, big, big no-no in, in the Old Testament law. These, these guys are, are taking advantage of, of people in a big way. Big no-no. I love it. Hey, dude, they were being cheated. 
the the people were having to pay to worship and serve God. Well, don't people like uh, we still have that happening today though, don't we? Oh, dude, it reminded me of the time back in the day. You and I watched a guy with the greatest name ever, greatest television evangelist name ever, Peter Popoff. Peter Popoff. And yeah, we set off for a a prayer cloth, I believe. Yes. Yes, and we did. We got a prayer cloth. Now, here's how the prayer cloth worked. Uh, Peter Popoff, the letter said that he'd been up all night praying for us. Yes, all night. All night, he was up praying for us and hoping God would bless us. What we had to do was we had to wrap that prayer cloth around our wallet. And God was going to put money in that wallet. But for the blessing to work, we had to send him $300. <laughs> we never sent him $300. We never sent him $300. <laughs> but that's why I'm that's so exactly poor. what the letter said that we uh-huh. had this if we sent him $300 God was going to fill our wallets does, <laughs> does this kind of sound like the same thing you think going here yeah and you know there's there's this this teaching is it's this prosperity gospel it's something that's very common in today's society it's you see not. people like um who's the guy that I'm thinking of right now Joel Osteen you see people like what's her name uh Meyer yeah. Yes, Joyce Meyer. Exactly. She's big into that. She's she's oftentimes held up as somebody that you got to listen to for for women stuff. But it's they're teaching the same thing that these money changers are doing. They they're trying to cheat people out. Maybe they maybe that's the key to church though. Maybe we need to charge people admission. You want to come to church, you know, James. You probably make a lot more money if you charge people admission. Yeah, but that's not how we do. Right. I, I don't. I don't. I don't say I don't want Jesus in here. Flinging tables, flipping tables over, no putting at lunch style. Yeah. Speaking of which, well, you know, there's times whenever we should be angry, like Jesus too. There's there's several issues. Pick an issue that you get passionate about. What is it that you get passionate about? What is it that makes you angry? And does Jesus share the same passion? That's the one thing that I want to ask. Is is Jesus sharing the same passion? Uh, The challenge is not sinning when you get angry. We don't want to be sinners when we get angry. And it says that in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll leave you guys to go read that. Uh, Bible virtual, I actually got it all ready to read. But I'm just thinking right now, you really need to read the whole chapter. And in the middle of it, you find one particular verse that deals expressly with this. It says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down in your anger. It's in verse 26 and uh, 426. But you got to go back and you got to read the whole thing. Because especially starting with verse 20, we learned that we, we, we're different people in Christ than we were when we were in the world. Absolutely. The world gets angry over different things than, than we should get angry about. And we're supposed to be angry about certain things. Now, just because something is accepted by society doesn't mean that it's accepted by God. And it's got to be our goal to please God and not to please people. I think that when we ourselves make it a goal to please God, I think that there is a certain itch that gets scratched in people. There is a certain pleasantness to it, but it's not the pleasantness that comes from the world. Yeah, I think, Brandon, I think if, if this fallen world is a church, then God is most likely not pleased. I, I, I think if we actually, if we were faithful to doing the things God has told us to do, commanded us to do, this fallen world is angry with us. Because truth exposes agendas. Truth exposes lies. Importantly, truth exposes the enemy, what the enemy's trying to do. And Jesus, as the protector, 
he drives out those that were doing evil in his house. By him flipping the tables over, but with that whip he had, he was saying, not in my house. I, I wonder if there are things that we need to look at, Brandon, and go, would Jesus, would Jesus be doing the same to, to, to our houses? And I'm not talking about just the church body, but our, our body as a whole. What do you think on that one? Are we protecting God's temple? Meaning, like, uh, we, we, we understand that the church is the body of Christ, but our bodies are also a temple for the Holy Spirit. Are we treating our bodies the same way that the Savior did? Do we examine ourselves and find things in ourselves that we need to change? And what is it that needs to change in us? Uh, right. It has something for us to think about, I think. Yeah, this is, this is an important. We see, it, we see it Jesus. We see Jesus actual turn water into wine. He provides. We see Jesus actual take a whip, chasing people out of the temple, flipping tables over. And... The, going back to that, that latter part of John chapter 2, I think it's very important. Are we following the blueprint of the church as it is actually written, as it is given to us in Scripture? Are we, are, we, are we being faithful to our walk in Christ as he showed us, as he showed us how to walk? As he, he, he has demonstrated everything for us to follow. You, know, you, go, to these, you go back to that, that chapter, the, the Jewish leaders, they weren't happy with him. They, they, in fact, they, they didn't like it. They didn't like what he was doing, messing up their business. Mm -hmm. And but maybe that's something we need to look at in our, in our own lives. Are we, are we following what is popular? Are we, are we trying to fit into the crowd? Do we want to sit at that cool kid's table and make, and make people happy? Or, or should, we be, you know, should we be walking away from that table going, this is not pleasing to God. I want to honor God. I want to give God my very best. Because it, it doesn't matter. It's not about me being happy it's about me glorifying god mm. and pleasing him first mm. that requires if that's the truth and there's going to be some changes i'm going to have to make that's okay i've had to do that in my life brandon i assume you've had to do that in your life we've you know it, it without without repentance is it it is impossible to please god absolutely you know you can't you can't please god and not be somebody who examines himself and we all have to examine ourselves Everybody and measure it up against what God has called us to be and what God has called. You go back to the point of communion. It's a, it's a time of, of examination. Hold on. Let's, let's take a second. Let's take a second of that. We're going to need to define that. What do you mean by communion? Ah, so what I mean is the, the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. We take the emblems and Jesus said, do this in remembrance. Of right. And when we yeah. say emblems, we actually mean, since we're talking about the Passover, we're you, talking I mean, about things that were, that yeah. were, that were uh, part of the Passover. Unleavened bread, which Jesus took on the night that he was betrayed and said, this is my body. And wine, which Jesus, in this instance, provides for a wedding, right. says, this is my blood. And he tells us to eat and drink of it. Right. And we're supposed to, in the eating and the drinking of it, examine ourselves, Paul teaches in the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll get to this in John chapter 6, about all the, all the craziness that happens whenever we take the body and we take the blood of our Lord. Absolutely. But examination is important. Mm -hmm. We're going to, at some point, meet Jesus on the road to Calvary. We're going to walk with him. We're going to mm -hmm. stand before him and cross. We're going to examine. We're not going to look, we're not going to look at our neighbor over here and our neighbor over here. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're going to look at God and we're going to look at ourselves. We're going to examine our choices, the road that we're on, and we're going to examine that to the light truth, to the actual truth. If I examine my life before Christ and his cross, 
and I see and I know and I'm convicted that I am not where I need to be or doing the things that should be or my attitudes are not where they should be. The good news is that Jesus has already walked the Calvary Road. He has already died and he's already risen and his mercies are new today. God is there. Grace is there. And he can get me and he will. Just like Jesus turned the water into wine. He took something common and he made it extraordinary. Jesus is in the business of taking life where it's not supposed to be and putting it on the path of where it's supposed to be because he's an awesome savior. Random rotating segment. All righty, Hoyt. It is time for our random rotating segment. Now, we haven't rehearsed any of these. In fact, we don't know what we're going to talk about yet. As I pick a random rotating segment, you got you got the timer ready? I got the timer ready. Call all me right. SpongeBob. We got five minutes. That's all we got for these. Okay, here we go. Here is our random rotating segment for the week. It is interesting. It is the dumbest thing you've done so far. And that goes for both of us. Only five minutes. Yeah. Um, I got, okay, you go first. I gotta think about. I've, I've got one. I got. I kind of got one in, in mind for both of us. Okay, why don't you go with that one? Okay. Well, the dumbest thing that we've ever done. Okay. All right. Period. <laughs> was take Benadryl and then try to drive home. Dude, that wasn't me. That was you. <laughs> you took it too. That was. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. Um, this, we could have died. Does your wife know about that story? Yes, yeah, my we told us he's told the story on our on my <laughs> on uh, at my uh, at my wedding. You told the story at my wedding. Of course, she's seen that. Oh yes, she heard it. It was a Super Bowl Sunday. You were you were a youth minister for my my dad, right? Yeah, and so we were in South Florida, and you were. You were not feeling like like it wasn't Super Bowl Sunday. It was uh, Father's Day, and you were not feeling. It was Father's Day, not Super Bowl Sunday. It was Father's Day. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was the summertime. Okay, you. Yeah, I remember you weren't feeling the best, Mm -hmm. and I thought nothing of it when when you took Benadryl. I just didn't think anything of it, and. We are about about 20 minutes from our ex- exit going to Florida Christian College, I think off 95. Well, we knew we were in trouble because, like, normally what I would do would be I'd ride the toll road uh, up to a certain point, and I'd get off and take 95 north to 192 and ride that in uh, because I could, have, I could get gas money after I could, but I couldn't get toll money. You know, right. And uh, so I had just enough toll money to get us off the interstate right there. And so um, we like totally and completely missed that. And I was like, man, I'm in trouble because I'm not feeling the best and I'm not reacting the best. And I totally and completely missed my exit right here. And we wound up going up to Yeehaw Junction. That's right. We did. On the turnpike right. and like spending an extra 50 cents, which at that time was like literally scraping. Yeah. The change, you know, from between that was twenty the, back then, man. Yeah, dude, man, it was like crazy amounts of money. Anyway, so we get off at Yeehaw Junction, and we go north on four forty one, 
I have no memory of that road. I like seriously, I have no. It's like I remember oh, I two curves in that whole road, and and, and one of those curves is like this wicked S curve. <laughs> And then, and then later on in life, like, 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 like uh, 2000, it was like five years later or something like that. 10 years later, 10 years later, or no, not 10 years later, five years later. Um, I drove that road with Kelly and I'm like, I fell asleep on this road. Yes. And I could have died. What? And uh, so, so, so when we got to Holy Paw, which if you know, if you're, if yeah. I've ever been in Kissimmee, you know where Holy Paw is. We got to Holy Paw, we made the left. And then uh, once we made that left, um, that's whenever things get really interesting because I have memories there, but part of my memory involves dreams I was having while we were on the road, <laughs> riding down the road, including the, including the best part of the story ever, which was when, when I'm driving and all of a sudden I just hear you say, um, Brandon, <laughs> I open my eyes. I look down at the speedometer. It says 70. And I'm on the shoulder yep. on top of the wake up bumps that aren't waking me up. And I just say, cool. cool. Yeah. And I just slowly got my way back over off the shoulder under the road. And I didn't have to go to sleep the rest of the time. I was ready. I was done sleeping until six o'clock that morning because <laughs> I didn't have any, you know, clean drawers to change into after I got home. So they, um, so that's it that, right there. That was a pretty dumbest yeah, thing. A, uh, dumbest thing that we've ever done. Uh, well, yeah? we, we've done a lot more. I think we've got more dumber things that we've done together in that. Well, can we share them? Yeah, we'll probably share them at some point. Um, yeah, I, I remember seeing that, noticing that the road was becoming grass and we were heading right for trees. And I've never forgotten. You just calmly go, cool, and pull us right back on the road. And I think after about five minutes, I started laughing like hysterically <laughs> because you you didn't say anything until like five minutes later. You said, dude, I was dreaming. It's exactly what I remember exactly that you said that. And I just started laughing. Five minutes over. All right. Exclosure. So just some final thoughts here, uh, Jim. One thing that I think that we need to focus on is being unified in the body of Christ. It wasn't until after Jesus was crucified and that he'd risen from the dead that his disciples remembered that on this very first Passover, Jesus tells these people that he had just flipped the tables over on, that if you destroy this temple, three days he would raise it up. Dun, dun, and dun. They, didn't, they didn't believe him at the time. But Jesus provided them this example so that they would remember later. We can look at this now and we can remember that Jesus is still flipping tables, whether it's in our life or in the world. You know what? Here's my thought. I think there's a lot of tables. Just because it's popular, flip that table over. See if it's actually, you know that cause you want to fight for? Flip that table over. Is it an actual cause that our mighty Savior would fight for? Start flipping tables over, man. Well, I mean, you always should be careful when you ask for justice because sooner or later, you're going to get it. Uh, justice happened. Yeah. The, you know, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Gotcha on that one. Mm. So we got some homework. John chapter three, it's going to be a great chapter. It's got everybody. It's got that one Bible verse that, you know, if you've never studied the Bible before, it's got that one verse that, you know, and, and it's also got some uh, great teaching in there. You know, what we teach is important, isn't it? Absolutely. 
And there's some deep foundational doctrines to study in John chapter three. So remember that light wins and uh, James is awesome. And, Let me end uh, on this note. You ready? Yeah. This is, this is, this is, this, this is a thing to come. And this is for next week for everyone who does evil, hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Maybe that needs to be the verse we remember in John chapter 3. Absolutely. All right. So, light wins. I love you, Jim. Love you too. Hey, Bible actual. Bible virtual. All of us are standing by. Meow goes the kitty. Peace out. Most random, non sequitur connection I've ever heard from.